1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves. I hope everyone's doing well. Tim, how you doing, my man? How's COVID?
0: Uh, I'm doing better. We were just talking about it. I, uh, I, I'm better. My, COVID's I got, gone. Uh, yeah, I'm not contagious anymore. A little bit of low energy. I still can't smell, but they said that I could last much longer than like, you're actually contagious for. Um, and I'm past the, the quarantine 10 days and all that. No fever, so I feel good. A lot better.
1: <clears throat> now that you didn't die, when you first got it, when they first called you and said, hey, Tim, you got it, did you ever have the thought that you would die?
0: No, no. No, I, no, no. I never got nervous or anything. And, you know, I'm a young, healthy guy. And, uh, I mean, I guess there's always a chance, but there's a chance. Every time you get in a car, you can get a car accident, you know? So yeah. I was never really nervous. All right. Well, we're, we're – ve-
1: Dropping the Gloves Nation and I are very happy you're back. Back to uh, almost 100. You're still a little tired, you said.
0: Yeah, still, you know, I've got to build up my my strength and energy a little bit. But I do appreciate everyone who reached out. I actually had a good handful of listeners send a tweet text Because you got a lot of text text messages, right? Yeah, I did, back when we announced, when we broke the news a couple weeks ago. Isn't that funny?
1: uh, We gave out Tim's number. How long ago was
0: that? It was for my birthday in October. Did we send a tweet or did we just say your number? You said it in the show. Tell everyone to text me happy birthday.
1: I was like, text 781 308 7998. What? There it is again. Oh. I, it's not like we're the same people listening that were listening last year. Oh, no, like, John, 7998 <laughs> and text them happy birthday. And now maybe text them, you know, congrats, you beat COVID. I think that'd be nice. Twice Just as many know, listeners as
0: we did in October, John.
1: Shows, you know, how, how our fans are interactive. We're a very interactive podcast. But anyways, we're glad you're healthy. I, I'm in a good mood, Tim. Why that? It was warm today. Oh, you know, beautiful. It was beautiful. I, I split wood a lot because I heat my home with a uh, with wood stove. We don't have a furnace. We don't have any other heating. It's straight wood stove, which sounds romantic. It sounds nice. Until you're in the dredges of January, February – And you have, like, no wood, so you got to figure out where to get wood and this and that. And I have, for those of you who don't know what, you know, there's different types of wood, I'll give you a quick little, you know, cliff notes. The perfect time to burn wood is, like, two years after it's cut down, maybe three. That's when it's really nice and seasoned. All the moisture has been sucked out of it. It's really nice and hard. It burns for a long time, kicks out a lot of heat. I got into the game late because we, we sold our home. We moved into this house in November. I scrambled. I got a bunch of wood, but it was all green. So green wood is full of moisture, doesn't burn very good, doesn't kick off a lot of heat. It's just ugly. It's not good. So I, I've just been using green wood for the longest time. I, I hit the honeypot in my property where I found a lot of old fallen trees, and I had my buddy come up, and he zip, zip, zipped them up, and I've been splitting them. And I had a good day outside where I was just like splitting all this wood, had my shirt off. It was great. And then I throw the wood in the fire and it burns so great. It's just the little things. I just loved it. I was like, this is great. It was just so great. But anyways, most people don't understand because you have normal ways to heat your home. I'm, I'm living like a little house on the prairie. I'm not. I'm yeah. not I don't have the the luxuries of you folk, Tim furnace. Right?
0: <laughs> yeah. The luxury, the soft people living with gas appliances. The and kids heat. these
1: days are so incredibly Ugh. soft. They don't know what it's like. They don't know what it's like chopping the wood, baby
0: growing up chopping on the frontier, but it
1: is fun. The kids enjoy it. I know. <laughs> I had a funny moment this morning. Sorry to divert away from hockey, but I was pulling out of uh, my kid's school. I dropped them off. And I was about to head, um, gosh, where was I heading? To do recycling. And this car is like bombing down the road. And there's a dead animal in the middle of the road. And he doesn't see it until the last second. And he like pew, swerves out of the way. And he must have been going 75 and a 55. And it was just like 85 to 90-year-old man who could barely see over the steering wheel. Just ripping down the road with like a big smile on his face. <laughs> like, that's great. You know what I mean? I just love that. Like, I just, you know, he had his sweet Mercedes Benz, and he's just giving her at 8 in the morning, not a care in the world, almost ran over a dead raccoon. Like, he doesn't care. He can barely see over the steering wheel, just a smile on his face, gun it's on dangerous. his face. Yeah, it was great. I love that because usually when you see old people, they're just driving slow. I just, I I get a kick out of seeing an older guy or gal just ripping down the road because they know what. if I get a ticket, who cares?
0: I hate that. Those people Why? shouldn't. They should barely be driving, let alone going seventy-five miles an hour. Can't see over the steering wheel. How does that, how does that excite their, you?
1: Don't ruin there. I just think it's great. I just when think, you
0: uh, when your oh, girls are driving that. around, when they're sixteen and they're driving around, you're gonna freak out every time you see a car going that fast.
1: Sixteen is different from
0: eighty-five. But when they're sharing the road with the people like that, I don't care. My point.
1: I'd rather see an eighty-five-year-old gunning around than a teenager. 85 year old, I, don't know, I just, I, I think good for they you. They got nothing to lose. Good for you, I say. You know, open it up. Let's see what you got, old man. I just think it's like, oh, they get pulled over. they are not going to get arrested. It's like, oh, sorry, officer. My foot slipped. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, he's not going to take them in. I just, I love that stuff. When older people do stuff that you are unexpected, it's like, nice. Good for you. You know, if you're at like a bar or something, they throw back a shot. It's like, oh, that old guy just did a shot. I've actually never seen that, but it would be cool.
0: What about the old guys in Men's League that like surprise you? Those that's fun to see too. Who
1: have the sneaky good hands? You know what I mean? And he's like, well, nice one, old man. Like he pulls off a random toe drag or a nice saucer pass. Like it's just those little things. In contrast, I do play with an old guy who he always gave me advice. He's a great guy. But he told me he played for the Hawks and he wears the Hawks stuff and this and that. I found out he played like one exhibition game <laughs> <I was>
0: like, <laughs> in the sixties. <'60s.
1: laughs> yeah, I was like, Get to, you didn't play with the Hawks. He's like, ah, oh, remember Bobby Hall and Tasbacito, Stan Makita. I'm like, like, you don't know them. You know, you played one <laughs> exhibition game. They might they maybe like said hi to you in passing. It was just funny. Anyways, moving on. So speaking of the Hawks, Tim, we had a milestone. Patrick Kane, my guy, my ex-teammate, my friend, fr- f- fan of the show. He says he listens periodically. He had another milestone. He just said, what he hit the other day? 400 goals, I believe, or yep. something like that. He played in his 1,000th game. So is that, a like we said before, I don't know who hit the 1,000th game before. Is this a big milestone? I don't think it is. Like, where does this sit now, Tim, the 1,000-game the mark? 20 years ago, this was a huge deal. Nowadays, do you think this is even a, a blip on the radar? Like, is this a big deal?
0: I mean, it's, it's still, yeah, it's still an accomplishment to play a 1,000 games in the NHL. But is it like, is it impressive? Not really, not as much anymore. But I mean, it's, it's more like what you did during that 1,000 games. And Kaner's got like a, a resume as long as your arm of, of all the things he's done. And he's been kind of like the, the, I don't know, lived up to every bit of that first overall pick back in 2007.
1: Oh, without a doubt. I think you nailed it when you hit. Now when you hit 1,000, you compare it to the other guys. Like Sidney Crosby just hit 1,000. Um, Travis Zajac just hit 1,000. It's like, okay, what have we done in 1,000 games? And what's interesting is all three of those guys, 1,000 games with the same team. That's pretty impressive. Like That's, that that's, impressive. A, that's a big feat. Like what have you done in 1,000 games? Obviously Sid's got a few more points than Kaner does. I think he's got about 200 more points, which is surprising to me. Is, is that surprising to you that Sid has – over 200 more points in Kaner?
0: Uh yeah, yeah, I kind of I kind of expected kane to be close. I looked it up today and yeah, about 200 points. That that did surprise me.
1: Yeah, when you think of Patrick Kane, you think of offensive juggernaut. He's getting 80 to 100 points a year. So you would think you know, you kind of add that up to 1000 games, he's got 12 13 14, points, but apparently not. Apparently he went through some slumps, and he's got 1,060 points. Where he, where he excels, he's got the three cups. He's got the consmite. He's won the heart. He's got the Art Ross. If we did a haul or not right now, if he got COVID tomorrow and died the next day, does he make the Hall of Fame?
0: Yeah, absolutely. First ballot.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, especially if he dies of COVID, just a sentimental value.
0: Like you yeah, got to, you got to vote a man, right? There's, there's no scenario where he doesn't make the Hall of Fame.
1: Well, I think there is a scenario if he plays another seven years and he doesn't put up anything and he's just like a shell of himself and it kind of tarnishes no, his tarnishes his
0: game. I don't know. There's, there's no chance. Speaking First of the Hall ballot. of Fame,
1: when I was with Chicago, I'll wax poetically about Patrick Kane for a little bit, if you don't mind, him. It it was amazing when I first went there. They had just won the cup, and then you look at this roster that they had, and it, I, I likened it to the old Montreal Canadiens teams when you could just literally look on the, the roster. It's like LeFleur, LeMaire, Robinson, um, all these Hall of Famers, and it's like crazy. And then I go to Chicago, and I look at the roster. It's like, okay, they're not Hall of Famers yet, but potentially down the road – There was four to five guys on that team who could be Hall of Famers. We got Marion Hosa. We got Jonathan Taves. We got Patrick Kane. We got Duncan Keith. At a time, Brent Seabrook was an unbelievable player. So you had four or five guys who were on the road to being a Hall of Famer. And I think, obviously, Seabrook, who just retired, we can touch on that in a little bit, he has fallen off. But those four guys, Hall of Fame, Hosa's already in. Kane, Taves, Keith, I think they're shooing. So it's kind of cool to look back on that team and reminisce and say, hey, like there was like four Hall of Famers on that team who I got to play with. And we talk about these guys a lot just because they're so great. Like it's just on a different level. And I got to witness this guy in practice during the games and his level of – he wanted everything to be perfect, Kaner. And if you messed up, he let you know. I don't, I don't know how many games you watch of the Hawks, but Kaner is known for winding it up, you know what I mean, where he'll come back in the zone, he'll get ahead get of steam, and he's like, give me the puck, and I'm going to you know make the first and second guy miss, and away we go. That's what they do on the power play. That's what he does. And so other teams try to they, – they put a guy in on this and that. So when I first got, got there, I didn't realize that's what he did. And so when he would regroup, I'd be like, what is this guy doing? Is he changing it up? And I would head man the puck. Before he would even get wound up. So he'd be behind me. I'm like, what is Kaner doing? Like, why is he back there? And I'd headman the puck to Hosa or somebody, and they would be gone and they would have like a two on four because Kaner's behind me. Finally, he pulls me aside. He's like, hey, dummy. Like, and he, you know, he was, he didn't mix words. He's like, he, he would call me this. Hey, dumb, he dumb son of a son. When I wind it up, I want you to give me the puck because you're not good with the puck. I'm good with the puck. <laughs> How many points do I have? How many points do you have? He did not say that. Very close. You know, he didn't insult me like that as bad, but he's like, hey, dummy, when I wind it up, I don't want you to headman the puck. Give me the puck. Q wants to puck on my tape. Like, in those words, obviously, it's been seven or eight years. I, my memory's not as good as it used to be, but he told me, he's like, hey, 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 big boy, give me the puck. Like, I'm winding it up for a reason. I don't want you firing up the hose and then. You know, he would get so upset when you would give the puck away, like so incredibly upset. Chicago was the king of puck possession. They were the first team to really embrace that where it's like, okay, don't dump the puck in if you don't have to. If you can't make anything at the blue line, you know, send it back. Let's regroup. Let's do it again. And I, that's not my game. That was never my game. And I was terrified when I, when I'd be on the ice with those guys, because I was like, I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to ice it. I'm going to throw it off the glass. I'm going to throw a bad pass. And it would be so nerve wracking to me. I'm like, I almost embrace being out there with the fourth line because you throw a pass off their ankle and they would love it. They'd be like, All right. Sounds good. Let's go get it. Kaner, If it wasn't on the tape or around them, or if, if you didn't give him a chance to get the puck, he'd be so upset. He'd get back to the bench. He would just cut you out. Scream. you like, he'd be yelling at the D. De- this is, this honestly happened. We got off the ice on a shift. I sat down. He stands up. I am sitting right in front of the defense coach. He looks at the defense coach. He's like, sit him down. That's it. he's done. Never again. And I'm just sitting there staring forward. And I'm like, I can, I can hear everything you're saying. And he's looking at the D coach. So the D coach is like, okay. And I think I got benched the rest of the period. And it is like, okay, <laughs> sounds good. And like, I, uh, I'm right here. Like I can hear every word you're saying. So he just had a level that he had to play at and he expected the best. And if and if you weren't gonna be on his level out there, at least close to it, he's like, I don't want to play with you. You know? there's there's other defensemen who can give me the puck, and if you're not gonna do it, take care of comb your hair. So I learned quick. Either get off the ice or get him the puck. So when he would start to wind it up, I just lay it out and I'd change. I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Go get me an assist. <laughs> uh good for good for Patrick. Good for one thousand games. Good for him.
0: <laughs> so did that like did that bother you? Did that motivate you when he would say stuff like that and be like, all right, I'm going to do better, I'm going to step up, I'm going to... No, kind of like, 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 I'm not giving a... you the puck. I didn't like that.
1: I'm like, you're going to embarrass me on the bench? You know, yell at me and talk to the D coach. Like, pull me aside, say say, say something to me. But he would, like, yell at and he would do it to everybody. Like, we, we've talked about it on the show before. He would get back to the bench, and he would yell at Keith and Seabrook. He, it wasn't just me. He'd be yelling at Yomerson and those guys. Like, he just wanted the puck. And if you did not get him the puck... They would give it, he would give it to you. And I didn't have the luxury of yelling back at him, but he'd give it to Dunks. What are you doing, Dunks? Put it on my table. And then Dunks would yell back at him. Why don't you come back in the D zone? Like they would just go back and forth. And finally, Taser would stand up and be like, shut up. Like everybody, we're playing a game. Be quiet. Like focus on the game. And the great thing was Q would just sit back and let it all happen. He would never say a word unless it got too heated. And then Q would settle it down, like really like, you know, Papa Bear would come and be like, all right, everybody. But he'd let them go. He's like, these guys are fired up. Let's 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 let them have it. It was amazing the dynamic that they had on that team and the success that they had. Because if you were a casual fan sitting by the bench, you'd be like, these guys hate each other. They absolutely hate each other. But then after the game, you jump in the shower, you go for dinner and everybody's best friends. They just loved winning. They loved to compete and they had no no time for bad plays. It's like, we're here to do a job, and we're going to do it the best we can. And when you're playing with a bunch of Hall of Famers, that's the bars. The bars high, Tim. It's really high. Anyways, Patrick Kane,
0: good for you. And most of those guys are either gone or they're sort of, you know, they're getting up there in age, and people kind of going into the season were writing them off. I know you and I did on on this show a couple months ago, but halfway through the season, they've surprised everyone. There's fourth place in their division, 13-8-5, like – I mean, what do you owe their success to it?
1: I don't know. I've been trying to wrap my head around this for the longest time. They, they're just winning. They're competing. I will say this. They're getting some really, really, really good play out of their goaltenders. Malcolm Subban. He's playing good. And that young kid, what's his name? Lankinen. Lankinen. He's playing really well. So he, he's yeah. been a surprise going into this season. They thought they were going to roll Dalia and Malcolm Subban. This Lankin and kids came in, and he's really played well for them. So without him, I think, I think we're seeing a different tune. But, gosh, they've just been so consistent. Kirby Docks coming back soon. He's been skating with the team. Kaner's, you know, picked up where he left off. Debrinket has taken his game to a new level. He's got over a point to game. He's just been a calming factor. He's, just, he's a stud. He is a certified stud in this league. He's a little guy, just a water bug around the ice. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Maybe these other teams in the division aren't that good and we're just kind of, you know, Columbus. We, we had high expectations for them. They're definitely not playing to where they were supposed to play. Dallas. What happened to Dallas? They started off the season. I think they what went, went. They, well, they sat the first month. Then didn't they go something like 7-1-1 one, and one in their first eight or nine games?
0: Something like that, yeah. Like, they, they, they picked up right where they left off last year.
1: They have lo- they've won two of their last ten. So, I don't know what is going on or isn't going on in Dallas. But I think the team that, they, that we thought they were, everyone thought they were going to fall off. They can't duplicate last year. It, it's coming to fruition. They're, they're not the team that they were last year. Last year, they caught lightning in a bottle. And then who else is in this division? Chicago is better than Detroit. They're better than Nashville at this point. Nashville is just atrocious. Like, what, what happened in Nashville? They went from Stanley Cup contender three years ago, perennial playoff team, to just a mediocre to terrible team the last three, four years. Like, what? This division, I don't know. I think Chicago, if you put them in a different division, it's a different story. But when you get to play Columbus, Nashville, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, who has – you know, they're good, but they're beatable – you can, you know, make some noise in Chicago. They're getting some goaltending. Patrick Kane's having an unbelievable year. Like I said, DeBrink is playing well. Like they're a good team. So it's it's a it's a very nice surprise. Don't you, I don't know anything to add on that?
0: No, but the other team in that division that's really surprised me, Florida. You kind of glazed over them, but like fifteen five and four, they're they're a couple points ahead of Chicago in the standings here. Um, five three and two in their last ten. Like these guys are surging, and Coach Q is really like I mean he's getting the most out of this team for sure. Like on paper, they're not quite as impressive as the Carolina, Tampa Bay, obviously, but like he's getting like the absolute most out of each of these players every night. And I think Huberdeau and Barkov, it's such underrated superstars in this league that no one really talks about. No one pays attention to, but they put up silly numbers. I think Huberdeau had uh, not last year, the shortened season year before that, like 92 points Barkov's right up there. Like these guys are good, good players. Um, and they're, you know, they're good in the back end as well. I, I think this is a good team. This is a team that could surprise some people down the stretch, especially if they make the playoffs. I think they could beat a Carolina. Uh, I don't think they could beat a Tampa, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if they're, uh, you know, coming down to the final two teams in the playoff race down for this division. So I think Florida is someone we don't want to sleep on
1: yeah and they're they're getting production like i like i said with chicago they're getting production from the guys you expect and they're getting production across the board and another surprising goaltender coming out of absolutely nowhere this drager kid who i had not i didn't even have him on my radar everybody thinks this team they got Bobrovsky for 10 million a year he's going to be the guy he's going to be the you know the the horse they're going to hitch the cart to this drager the wagon it's not a wagon it's not a wagon do stop saying that he's got like he's got unbelievable stats he's playing well he's got a 920 save percentage he he is their starting goaltender right now he's like, in my he's fantasy guy
0: team. what's that he's on my fantasy team
1: oh good for you how's that team doing by the way dead last dead last okay you know what you might want to stop bringing up your fantasy squad when it's in last place so i'm just thanks saying. for
0: saying squad though
1: i said fantasy squad because that word is a fantasy word. It's not a real-life word. You wouldn't say a squad is a – anyways, but no, like you said, Huberto, Barkoff. When we talked to Q this summer, he was excited about this team. They made some moves. They got a solid defense. People forget about Aaron Ekblad. Keith Yandel, that whole drama at the beginning of the season, that's gone. He's played in every game. He's producing. They got a decent team. Anthony Duclair, you know, you know, a point every other game, good for him. Will they make noise in the playoffs? No. They're going to lose to Tampa Bay, but it's it's a good story. Tampa's coming out of that division. I, I don't think anybody is fooled by their records. It's nice, like I said, to get to have a vacation every like fourth road trip and go to Detroit and just beat the doors off Detroit and then go to Dallas and have a nice vacation and just have an easy game in Dallas and come away with four or six points, however many games you play. Go to Nashville, pick up some barbecue, pick up four points. Like it, It's just nice to have those easy games on the schedule when you're Tampa Bay. Like it's just, a, it's just a nice luxury that they have. Another team that used to be in Chicago's division that I think is the biggest surprise of the season so far, the Minnesota Wild. What's your take on this Wild team, Tim? Tell
0: me. I mean- yeah, they're fun to watch. I have been kind of catching some of their games, and I think, like, I, I don't know, they're 7-2-1 and in their last 10. Like, they're on an incredible stretch right now. Uh, they leapfrog Colorado in the standings, which i really surprised. We can talk about them in a minute. But they're just getting production up and down the lineup. Like, that, that Capriza up kid's getting all the attention. But, like, they're getting, I mean, um, Folino is having a great season for his standards. You know what I mean? Like, he's not someone that many people would have paid much attention to, but um, he's having a great year. He got Erickson Eck doing his thing. Uh, Jordan Greenway is another name. He hasn't scored a ton of goals, but he's putting up a, a lot of assists, 18 points in 23 yeah, games. he's the
1: biggest surprise, I think, on that team so far. But keep going.
0: Yeah, I mean, Zuccarello is, has been more than a point per game since he came back a couple of weeks ago. Um you know, it's it's surprising that they're doing so well when their highest paid players aren't producing much of anything. Zach Parise was a healthy scratch last week. We talked about it. Jared um, Spurgeon, he, four assists. Yeah.
1: That's it. He doesn't have a yeah. goal. That I was just gonna touch on that. The the fact that the guys that they thought they were gonna rely on are nowhere to be found. The Spurgeons, the suitors, the Dumbas. Those guys who were their, their you know their studs the last few years they're nowhere to be found. Sorry, Tim, I just crapped on your point. Go ahead, keep going.
0: No, that was that was it. I mean, the guys like you said, it, it's just it's it's kind of strange, especially like, man, like I don't know, Zach Parise. How can you, you guy? How What's he making? Nine. I think and, he's making
1: nine for eight. Like nine for nine years. I think he signed an eighty-one million dollar contract or something like that.
0: So they got to at least be seven or eight. Year, year seven or eight by now, but anyway, so it's it's good for them. Um, I don't know. I still they're probably not a team that anyone's afraid of in a playoff matchup or anything, but they have totally surprised us, and and I hope they keep it up because I think it's uh you know it's an easy team to root for.
1: I don't know. I would be a little. I I would shy away from facing Minnesota because again another strange goaltender coming out of nowhere. Really, this Kaikkonen kid, he's playing well. Him and Cam Talbot, they have a solid goaltending tandem. You know, either one, I w- I would. I'd be okay with going into the playoffs. And they're keeping up with these guys. Like, they beat the Golden Knights 2-0 the other night. Like, they know how to play. They know how to play defense. When you can go into the playoffs and you have Jonas Brodin, Matt Duma, Suter, you got Spurgeon, if you have that as your top four, you're a dangerous team to play against. I don't care what team you match up against. I don't want to play you because on any given night, you have a top four D-man like that who can shut down. You know, any, any top line in the league, that's, that makes me nervous. So if I'm Vegas, if I'm St. Louis, I'm getting a little nervous that Minnesota is gelling. They're coming together. Another team I want to talk about.
0: Wait, before, you move, on,
1: th- oh, before sorry, you move on. Oh, go Before you move
0: on, what is your take on the the whole rookie thing for a guy who's played professionally, Kirill Kaprizov, he's in the KHL for the last 5 years. So he finally makes the NHL team and he's what 24, 25 years old and now he gets treated as a rookie. Does that bother you at all? Like should you still be a rookie if you're if you've been playing professional hockey for that long? Like just like the Panarin thing a few years ago, right? What what's your take on that?
1: I think we've seen this before. I think there should be an age cutoff because playing professional overseas is different than playing in the NHL. We've talked about it with the Hall of Fame and KHL and stuff. But I feel like once you hit 25, that should be the mark. It's like you've been playing pro overseas for five years. Enough is enough. Like we need to, you know, move on from the Calder. This kid's only 23. He played pro over there for a few years. I don't think it's a problem. I think he should have a right to win the Calder. Yeah, he maybe has a slight advantage over all these other kids who came out of juniors, but I don't know. I think if you take a strong junior team and send them over to, you know, the Swedish Elite League or the KHL, they're competitive. I truly believe that. Obviously, they're not going to be one of the stronger teams, but they can keep up. So, I don't know. Do you, what do you think? Do you think it's a bad idea?
0: Uh yeah, I think I think for sure, like just like you said, there's at a at a certain age. I mean, this guy's played. I don't have a calculator, but three or four hundred games, you know, in in the in the KHL professionally. Um, even though he's still twenty three, he's just. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel you, too you strongly think, about it, but you I think, I think it shouldn't should not be, be allowed. allowed. Okay. Right. Yeah
1: maybe you should put like a games mark on it. if you play two seasons professionally overseas that kind of eliminates you from the process that might be that might be a good uh lit miss two seasons i think that'd yeah. be good i'd be okay you know what i'll allow it two seasons it is i'll call gary commissioner we'll, uh, john scott we'll get it on the uh we'll get it on the docket for the the summer meetings Anyways, moving on. So in this division, I found the Minnesota Wild. They're the biggest surprise of the season in my mind. They're playing well, and they're dangerous. Like, we talked about the Hawks. We talked about the Panthers. I don't think those guys are dangerous who can make a push, you know, to make the Final Four because that's what it's all about. It's about making the Final Four, getting out of your division. The reason I think they can get out of their division is a team that's – it's disappointing. Again, going into this season – the colorado avalanche everybody had them pegged it's like okay who's coming out of the west it's going to be vegas or it's going to be colorado these two teams they're built perfectly top to bottom they're, they're 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 stanley cup contenders the colorado avalanche are dangerously dangerously close to being out of the playoffs they're two one point ahead of arizona they're struggling they they're they're a 500 team at this point in the year they're mom well, they're a little better than 500 but they're playing like a 500 team What's going on in Colorado, Tim? Can you, can you help me wrap my head around it? This is a team that I thought was going to run away with this division with the Vegas Golden Knights. And they're struggling to distance themselves from the Arizona Coyotes.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> Nathan McKinnon being hurt didn't help him. Right. He's been out for almost a week. Um, with He's upper body missed injury. like four
1: games. I don't think that's a huge reason why. But anyway, sorry. Again, I need to keep my mouth shut. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, no, no. I mean, they're, they're, the thing is they're producing. Like, they're top guys – are putting up like major points and then Grubauer has been one of the best, if not the best goalie in the league so far. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's getting elite production. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm not watching these, this West coast games. Is it that is the defense kind of suspect is, are they letting up a lot of goals where they shouldn't be? I mean, they're plus minus as the team is, is pretty good. So I don't, I don't really have an answer for that. I do know that, um, you know, a lot of these teams, like there's, I know, NHL 500, right? It's not true 500, but six out of the eight teams in this division are above NHL 500, including L.A. and Arizona, who are only a couple of points behind Colorado. Arizona's one point behind them. L.A. is two points behind them. And both of them have done better over the last 10 games than the, than the Avalanche have. So I think you've got to... I don't know. I, I I would be really. I would be shocked if they don't make the playoffs. And I think McKinnon, he's he's actually returning. He's skating tomorrow night with these guys, so um, they should get a little boost and probably go on a little bit of a run. But if they don't make the playoffs, it'll be I'll be thunderstruck.
1: Thunderstruck. Yeah, they're they're going to make the playoffs. I I think we're just talking hypotheticals. If they don't, they're going to make the playoffs. They have a great team. Grubauer's been playing great. I think. That is the big question mark on this team. They they have a, a solid offensive crop. They got Rantanen, McKinnon, Landis, Scott, like Cadre. They have a they have a good team. I think Kyle Macar, Gerard, like they're they're a solid team. I, I don't know why they're struggling so much. I really don't. You can't kind of put your finger on just one thing. Maybe they're just not competing. Maybe they're not playing well defensively. Who knows? Like you said, they're putting up decent points. It's not like they they're not scoring.
0: But Their secondary scoring is so good, too. I mean, Kadri, Burakovsky, Saad, Saad Donskoy, Don Nichuskin. I mean, uh, these guys, John, I'm going to have to say it. These guys are a wagon. And if they make the playoffs, I mean, assuming they will, but if they're able to go out a run, especially get out of this division and beat the the Blues and or like Golden Knights, I think they're one of the teams that not many teams would look forward to being matched up against. I'm not Give me the silent treatment. I'm not going to talk <laughs> anymore. I don't. These guys have a great squad, John.
1: I'm not going to do it. I'm not. This, <laughs> whose name is on the header of this podcast?
0: John Scott, John Scott. the Family yeah. Man.
1: It's enough. Enough for the wagons. The only <laughs> wagons I want to talk about are wagon wheels. They're a delicious, delicious treat that I used to have as a kid. The the interesting thing about this division, back hockey, it, there's there's parity across the board. I thought this was going to be a four-team runaway and the California teams were just going to be a write-off and you can throw Arizona with them and in with them as well. LA's surprising me. Anaheim, John Gibson is dragging them along in games. He's winning them so many games. San Jose, you know, they compete. They're, they're a dangerous team at times. They still have a lot of good players on that team. So it, it's a lot more competitive than I, than I thought it was going to be. If you would have told me at the halfway point in the season – like LA and Arizona were within spitting distance of the playoffs. I'm mean, like, yeah, no, like you're, you're nuts. Like those those two teams are going to be in the bottom two. But you know, like I said, that's why you play the game, Tim. That's why you drop the puck because you never know what's going to happen. All right, I feel like we've been doing a disservice to this fa- the, the fans of the show. This is the longest we've gone in a whole podcast without talking about the North Division. It's been nice.
0: Yeah, it's kind of nice. liberating.
1: It is, because no one – let's just touch on this. The Flames are hot garbage. They, they're trending in the wrong direction. They, they keep losing to everybody. Ottawa is trending in the right direction. They're, they're playing well. They're 500 their last 10. Calgary's only won three in their last 10. They are struggling, to say the least. They fired their coach. They brought in a blast from the past. And Sutter, is he going to resurrect the team? I don't know. He's an old farm boy. He's, he's got uh, Zach Ronaldo in the lineup. Milan Luchas has been fighting. He likes the rough and tumble style of play. I like that. I like that a lot. Is not going to win him any more games? I don't know. Is it fun to watch? Yes, it is. Are the Flames going to make the playoffs, Tim? Just tell me right now, yes or no, so I can just move on.
0: No, and I have a quick question for you. You, you played against Gaudreau, right? Like he was in the league.
1: Johnny, uh, I played against him many times.
0: What was the game plan for him? Was he someone that you had to game plan around, or you kind of just knew that if you just took away his space, he could do nothing else?
1: Yeah, you you knew he, he was on the ice. You, you never game planned for him. The thing we did when we played Calgary, we went after um, Giordano. He was the guy who made that team go. They didn't really have many offensive defensemen. They had TJ Brody. They had a couple other pieces. But when you took Giordano out of the game – they seem to stop offensively, defensively. He was the guy who made things go, and maybe this is what's happening with this year. Giordano, he he's showing his age. You know, he's still putting up decent points. He's got like a point every other game, but he's not the D guy anymore. Like he he's not the main cog that he once was. And when you look at the other guys in the back end, it's it's not that intimidating. So yeah, they have some good offensive guys, the Goodros, the Kachucks, Monahans, like those guys. They're not a scary team. They're really not. They, they are a mediocre team with some good talent, but they don't have any world-class talent. They're – I don't know. They're just not a scary team. I agree with you. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're a big disappointment this year. I think the final four is going to be Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg. And that fourth one, I don't know. It's going to be Vancouver or Montreal. Whatever one doesn't stink the most. Vancouver's been trending in the right direction lately. They have finally figured out maybe – what their problems were. They, they took it to Toronto. They beat them twice in a row. So we'll see how that pans out. I don't know. Calgary, big disappointment, big, big disappointment. Anyways, Tim, let's, let's do some quick hits here at the end. What do you think?
0: Yeah, just kind of rattle up a couple of things, a uh, news here. Uh, Buffalo's been getting a lot of attention lately. We talked to Biron a few weeks ago, about the Eichel trade rumors, um, every, every, uh, the GM came out like he said that they're not trading him, and Eichel hasn't asked for a trade. But he was a healthy scratch tonight, which kind of begs the question of: Is he actually injured? Is he, are he sitting out? Is he frustrated? Is is something else going on there? Is he actually got something he's dealing with? Upper body injury is all it said. Not totally sure. Uh, any thoughts on that? This
1: organization, I love them. It's it's a train wreck. It's an absolute train wreck. They're so bad. It's I don't understand how you can be so dysfunctional for so long. Honestly, like they were, they were dysfunctional when I was there. Like that's when this whole madness started when I got there. Honestly, before I got there, it was solid. They had a GM for years, a coach for years. They fired Lindy Ruff. They fired Darcy Regeer. And it's just been a revolving door for the last decade of GMs and coaches and presidents and hockey ops people it's it's just dysfunction at the highest degree i don't i don't know what they have to do like i love Carrie and kim and terry pagula but they need to get someone in there and just let them have control i feel like that's one of the issues it's like they they meddle too much in the team and they don't just let the process happen they they let it happen for maybe a year year and a half two years and they get they get antsy, like, we want results. We want results. Okay, no one's winning. We've got to trade everybody and do it again. We've got to start from scratch. We've got to sign all these guys. We're going to win. We've got to win. we got to win. And then it, nothing happens. Then you end up with contracts like Kyle Poso, Jeff Skinner, Taylor Hall, all these guys who were just past their prime. It's like they're scouting guys from 2010. It's like, no, you know, it's 2020, you know, we a new decade. We've got to, you know, scout them for this decade, not last decade.
0: But anyways, what were you going to say? Did you see the video of Taylor Hall the other night? He broke oh. up a play in his own in his own D zone, so he's on a he's on a breakaway. He's like intercepts a DDD pass, gets to the other blue line, just trips. He just goes no. down and falls. And the guy comes back, takes the puck away, and he just like <laughs> kind of floats for a minute. It's just like the, the, the all the captions, everyone's calling him Taylor Fall now. And <laughs> <laughs> he he went to Buffalo to play quote unquote meaningful hockey, and. I, I don't know. I, every every everything he's touched has just turned to crap so far in his career, and it's too bad because he's a world class talent. And it's I, I don't know. I'd love to see him play meaningful hockey. I'd love to see that what, what that guy can do in like a deep playoff run. I mean, it, it seems like this is the kind of thing like Pittsburgh will trade for him, right? Yeah, they'll get, gonna get him, for him like for a exactly. Second yeah. Yep. And then they'll get a Buffalo to eat half his contract, and then he'll just score like a, a goal a game on Crosby's line, and then everything will connect for him. That's what I hope happens. But if um, only Rutherford was still there, because he's the guy
1: who would have made this happen. But he's not. Oh yeah. So, he, will does this affect Hall's value moving forward? Is he an elite player anymore? Honestly, has he even made the playoffs in his career?
0: Uh, has he made the playoffs? Maybe oh, once in Edmonton. So. Maybe. If they did, they didn't win a game.
1: Yeah, I don't know if he's an elite player anymore. He's still, like we talked with, um, who's the dude who just signed with Toronto? Goal scorer. Yeah, much like Galchenyuk, but on a bigger, larger scale. I still think he's riding the coattails from his MVP season.
0: Yeah, but that's not something you can brush over. Like, he's like two or three years out of the MVP season. He's still only 29. You know what I mean? Like, he's still a a stallion. No, no. (laughs) <laughs> I wish everyone could see your face when I say these words.
1: I uh, do too, because the pain that just head.
0: shoots through my body. You're lucky we're
1: virtual. You'd be getting a smack in the face. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I honestly think that his best days are behind him. Yes, he can produce if he put him in the right situation. I think he's proven in Buffalo. He's playing – like. You're playing with Jack Eichel, like you're playing with some talent, and you couldn't put up points. I don't know what uh, what else you need. So I don't know. Maybe his best days are behind him. He's still going to sign a huge ticket this off season. So good for him. Buffalo is where yeah, good yeah. players go to die. That that's the reputation that they're garnering, which is sad. The NHL did adjust their lottery format. They came up with three new rules for the upcoming season. So if they do finish last place, Buffalo, they they can't get any worse than the third overall pick. So good for them. They'll get another top three lottery pick. So maybe they'll turn around this time. I don't know. Moving on. your Boston Bruins, Tim.
0: Yeah. They're struggling Jake's to play. They have been struggling lately, basically playing 500 for the last. So
1: in the offseason, they uh, – they were, they were in need of some winger help, and they're like, no, we're going to ride DeBrusque. He's our guy. He's a healthy scratch, Tim.
0: Yeah, he's he signed scratch. a bridge deal, two-year contract, kind of bet on himself, but he's not done well this year. He has one goal, four assists. He's a minus four this season. He's not produced, and, he, and he's had some chances, and he's just not burying um, – so, and he's not like we talked about like he's not like a bottom six guy like you can't just drop him on the third or fourth line because that's not his game you know he's got to be a goal scorer kind of nothing at all so he's a healthy scraps tonight um first time in a while i'm sure he's frustrated by that but hopefully that kind of energizes him and gets him back on the right track and if he can you know when he's at his best he clicks pretty well with david Krejci on that left side so hopefully he finds his game and and, and buries some but yeah i i I was, I was surprised. I honestly thought he was going to have a big season just based on the fact that he did take that shorter contract and he felt like he had something to prove. But this has not been a good year for him. And, um, you know, Cassidy definitely sends a message by sitting him tonight. The Bruins so are tied one-to-one one after two. Don't
1: look now. The Bruins are teetering on the playoff bubble.
0: They're in four, they
1: fourth place right now. And mind you, they have games in hand on the teams in front of them. Philly's right behind them, two points behind, and they've played the same amount of games are you nervous with what's happening in Boston? These other teams in this division, they seem to figure they've figured out their problems. Washington's playing great. Philly's starting to figure it out. The Rangers have quietly crept back up. They're almost to 500 now. It, are the Bruins, like I said at the beginning of the season, going to miss the playoffs?
0: No. No, ooh, but ooh. No, and I'm not nervous yet. But yeah, like we talked about this, like the Bruins were the one team that maybe had had uh the biggest impact of the divisional realignment compared to who they were leaving and the division they were joining, um maybe in the whole league. And yeah, you're seeing it now. Like you you drop a couple games here or there, all of a sudden you got like Philadelphia right behind you. You got Rangers right behind them. you you're, you know, a point or two out of the playoffs spot right now, which is uh, which is not a good place for them to be. So yeah, I mean it's it's a little nerve wracking, but I still think they make the playoffs. Let me tell
1: you their problem. Aside Please from gold their their well, defense hurt, actually their defense is a huge issue for them. In this day and age, and I'll, I'll get down with this and so we can go. I know we've been we've been taping a long time. They're. This day and age, in this NHL, you need defensemen to jump into the rush. You need to have that second wave of players. You need a guy who can be that fourth guy in the rush consistently. You need that every shift in order to compete. You see it. every other, The good teams have it. The only guy the, Rangers, or the Bruins have who can do that is Charlie McAvoy. He's the only guy.
0: Grizzly, he, Grizzly can do it.
1: No, he can't. Yeah, he can. He's got four. He's got four points. He's got four points. That's all he's got. They, they, they don't have another defenseman higher than four points. McAvoy has 17. All their other defensemen have four points or less. Carlo, who just got buried on a clean hit, he has three uh. points. He had three points. Jeremy Lazan, three points. Clifton, three points. Kevin Miller, two points. Like, you cannot compete – In today's NHL, when you do not have your defenseman joining the rush, being able to control a power play, being active in the offensive zone, being a threat on the ice, when you don't have that, you're not going anywhere. So that's just my take on the Bruins right now. They have decent forwards. Don't get me wrong. Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak, they're doing their thing. Nick Ritchie's been a revelation this year. Yeah, Yeah. Nick Nick Ritchie's played well this year. I'll give him that. Krejci still doesn't have a goal. That doesn't help. Smith, you know, he (laughs) – not, not what he, we thought he was going to be. Charlie Coyle, not, not having
0: a great year. So, did, speaking of like defensemen in the rush, did you see what Adam Fox did the other night? The end to end goal. Ooh, Foxy S- Lady. Yeah, started behind his own net, coast to coast, and tucked one in. And that's the kind of thing like you're talking about. What a what you need out of the defenseman to be competitive. And one of the reasons that the Rangers have been able to climb, climb back up a little bit is because of his play. And you're right. The Bruins don't really have that. Even, even McAvoy isn't it, He doesn't skate like that. You know what I mean? He's, he's more of a complete player than, than Fox maybe, but he doesn't have that same, uh, that that's just skating prowess and maybe offensive upside that, that you, you lost with Tory Krug, you know? So when I, yeah.
1: when I was playing and someone went coast to coast, I would just start screaming Maine to Maui. I like that Maine to Maui coast to coast that's what I would scream and it took a lot of people a lot of time to figure out what that meant and I would say coast to coast
0: doesn't really make sense though why do you know where Maui is
1: on the west coast
0: the west coast you mean Malibu
1: no Maine to Maui Maui's in Hawaii where where's Hawaii
0: (laughs) in the north (laughs) In, in the south no, I think you mean Maine to Malibu. That one makes way more sense.
1: Definitely not. Tell me where Maui is. If if you were going to give me directions from Michigan, where is Maui?
0: Maui is about 1,000 miles off the coast. What direction? West.
1: Mm, okay. Where is Maine? What direction?
0: Maine is on the East Coast.
1: Oh, so from East to West, from one coast to the other. Okay. It's not a coast. Come on. Why not?
0: All right. Last piece of news here, ESPN. The coast of,
1: the coast of Hawaii. That's the west ESPN coast. ESPN. Do you think rumored, that Hawaii is
0: not part of the United States? They're just not part of the continental United States, and they're not part history, of the west coast. Are you a history major? Yeah, 1951. I know all about it. They're Man, not on the west coast. That's,
1: that's a tough history degree you got. Don't even know Maui's part of the United States. Okay, maybe let's, let's talk about the ESPN deal. Yeah, John. Football.
0: You're getting fussy. I think it's time for bed. So let's let's wrap this up here.
1: Dropping the gloves <laughs> with Tim. This again, or...
0: rumored seven-year deal with the NHL uh, still in the works, and so basically um, it's going to guarantee them that they're saying at least for the Stanley Cup coverage between 22 and 28 um, plus streaming rights on Disney, which is you know which would be pretty cool for those Disney Plus it package deals that that you could see there, but. I mean, I don't know. Is this a big deal to you? Like ESPN, do you remember the kind of when it's been like, it's been 20 years since they've had coverage of the game, right? It's been
1: a long time. I know when the NHL left ESPN, they went to the outdoor living network or some, I can't remember what it was called at the time versus it wasn't versus it was oh, other-
0: versus. right? Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah.
1: And it was a big deal that they left. They they took a risk, went to this network, the network folded. It got enveloped by another network and then it was just a bad deal. So, I feel like they lost a lot of um, exposure with ESPN. ESPN does a good job covering the game. You get the the big thing with being with ESPN. It's on SportsCenter, so that that's the big deal. When you watch SportsCenter at night for our fans in Canada, it's it's just the TSN equivalent. So it's there. You know, people are watching it. They're going to give it a prime time position. You don't have to wait to see the baseball, the football, the basketball, the WNBA, the tennis, the soccer, and then hockey comes in like a five minutes before the show ends. It'll be there because they have the footage and they can use it. So I think that's the biggest benefit to just get eyeballs on the sport. It'll raise revenue. It'll be good for hockey. I don't know what the numbers are, but I can't imagine it being a huge deal for the NHL but just being on ESPN, that's a win in itself because they're, like, they're the number one. Like, w- NBC's good. I'm sure NBC still has maybe a, a, a couple games in the playoffs, maybe premier games, but it's a good thing to be on ESPN. I think it's a win-win. Good job by Gary. A, a small win for Gary.
0: Any other news, John? Any other wisdom you want to impart on us tonight?
1: No, I've been just dropping knowledge. Maine to Maui, like that, that's my biggest one right now. And then, Maine to, main to Malibu work?
0: makes way more sense.
1: A, no, it does because Maine is, or Maui is further west, and it doesn't roll off the tongue as good. Maine to Malibu. It's too, there's too many syllables. It has to be one syllable. Maine, two syllables. <laughs> <Maui's> Maui. <too. laughs> Malibu's three. Malibu. Anyway, yes uh, no, I, I, I appreciate everyone listening. Go to hockeyfights.com, watch all the fights that have been happening. Very exciting. Curtis Gabriel, been in a few. Darnell Nurse fought a good one, actually, versus Milan Lucha the other day. Anyways, uh, go go check that out. Tell a friend about our show. Go. Uh, I don't know what else we they got to do for us. Tim? Leave
0: a review, follow, subscribe, swipe up. And uh, speaking of night.
1: swiping up, you've been swiping right lately.
0: That's none of your business, John.
1: You've been you had smart. You have COVID. You gotta take care of yourself. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. I appreciate the support. We will talk to you guys on Friday. Uh, get out there, have some fun. Cheers.